0: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal. Good morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good (laughs) morning, Vietnam. <clears throat> all right so y'all are broing down huh
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah we made some chicken thighs Sweet. uh yeah that has been <laughs> pretty are, good those are some of the highlights yeah that's they're pretty good <laughs>
0: sounds pretty
2: crazy yeah, yeah it's gotten, mm-hmm. I, I would say it's gotten pretty wild we watched pride and prejudice that's true we did oh man okay i've and, never seen it We've watched a river runs through it, which is an amazing movie. Both okay. very good, mm-hmm. totally different, but very good.
1: I, based on your recommendation, Rob, I I did read. I'm almost finished with Pride and Prejudice. What do you never think read of it before? It? Um, it's it's pretty fascinating. I like it. Um, I love that type of culture, but I did hear a critique that kind of colored the the story for me, and. I think it's it's kind of true. It's uh, um, like culture or custom without substance is is empty. And it made me think of something like a Downton Abbey, like that type of a show. It's like so cool. The externals. But at the heart of it, it's like a kind of a soap opera
2: drama. Yeah, it's I think Pride and Prejudice is a rom-com. Like, yeah, yeah pretty much.
1: <clears throat> yeah, it'd be something like that. That's probably a good way to put it.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: But, but I do enjoy it. I like all of, I like her writing. I like Jane Austen's writing, and I like the the style of the characters.
2: Yeah. I think I'm most interested of all of it. I haven't formulated of still of why this is, but as when I listened to the podcast Jane Austen for Dudes on with Brett McKay and some literature guy, um, they said that Jane Austen was very popular amongst World War One soldiers. I think we may have talked about this on the cast even. But the guy had this kind of hypothesis towards that of like they had seen such destruction and despair that there was something about the order of it, like kind of the elevated order of mm-hmm. of life in that that they they like very much desired when they just looked out and saw chaos from every from every which way. Um, I don't know that one has. In reading it, I was like, I i don't know i mean there's things that have certainly spoken like more deeply um to me than than that but i i'm still intrigued by that comment at least sure sure
1: what hey connor how was that the first time you'd seen it
0: i read the book in high school it was the first time i'd seen the movie what, the what do you think recent, do you like it oh five i did like it yeah um I think compared to like a bride's head, which I know is <clears throat> quite a bit later, I think era wise, but has the same sort of stuffy English vibe of like culture and custom mm-hmm. um, being so, but the way that people would talk to each other was very elevated. Like the if you wanted to say something biting, it would be in the most generous and kind of flowery way. <laughs> You'd be complimenting somebody, <clears throat> but really saying like, I despise you. Yeah. Um, There's one line where she said, uh, this was behind somebody's back, but it was her cousin who was such a, such a lapdog bootlicker for the um, ornery old rich lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he said something like, Oh, your cousin so-and-so knows my aunt very well. Or, you know, my aunt gave him this blah, blah, blah. And she goes something like, she couldn't have given him to a more grateful subject. And it just <laughs> is like such an anodyne, almost nice thing to say. But in the context, you realize like, wow, so that biting. is so biting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man.
0: Uh, so that kind of thing is kind of delightful, I think. But
1: um, <clears throat> I agree.
0: Yeah. Generally, it is a love story, but um, it makes sense to me why World War One soldiers would gravitate towards it. Not unlike how I, believe I heard that Therese of Lisieux became really popular with Mm -hmm. one um both of which are kind of like I mean hers couldn't be any more substantial um right spiritual spiritually and humanly um but it does have like the same outer crust of bourgeois propriety your problems are not as like, like apparently as serious as I'm being mustard gasters, you know, I have trench foot like you, your father said something kind of upsetting about the shoes on Christmas morning, you know, like that mm-hmm. and the depth of the suffering that you're experiencing. Um, It, it seems like a, a soldier would be like, why does that matter? But that it speaks to their heart makes sense to me because that really is. I mean, kind of your point about Peter creeped with uh, the Lord of the Rings. And Samwise getting back to the Shire and his daughter sitting on his lap, like the whole journey, anybody out at war is not like, this is reality. This is, you know, everybody should experience this. If they want to know what, what's really real. They're like, no one needs to experience this. What I really want is that, you know, to to jump up in my father's arms like Therese or, or to, you know, be totally in love like Darcy and Lizzie or whatever that they're even in the even in the midst of the deepest suffering, concentration camps, wars, whatever, um, stranded out at sea. I think these limit experiences, you know? Yeah. Like these guys that, you know, were torpedoed by the Japanese, the USS Indianapolis. You ever read that story? The ship that where they were out there for like a week, just mm-hmm. floating, getting, being eaten by bull sharks. Like, Oh, yeah. Um, oh, is that the
1: Unbroken story? No, no. that, that too
0: as another Zamperini when he was out on the raft. Um, but no, this was like the, the ship that actually delivered the a bomb to Guam hmm. after they left Guam, they were going down to Australia, maybe, I don't know, but uh, they got a kamikaze submarine sunk them. And like the whole, the whole ship was just floating there. And by some clerical error, they didn't realize for several days that they hadn't arrived or that they were missing. And then they went and searched for him and like, just, Several groups had split because of the title, whatever, the ocean currents made people drift. But yeah, those kind of things like when there's homecoming, that's all anybody wants is just the simple things of life, um, leisure and uh, love
2: and family and. It's. I would say, and if there's any more on that, but it's interesting. And I think I, I, I've shared this before. I think the, what I, the set of books that I have maybe delighted in most reading back-to-back in like a juxtaposition is two or three summers ago, I read Little Women, and then I followed it up with uh, Huckleberry Finn. Okay, cool. And like so I, much fun to read yeah. those in conjunction like that. But I'm reading <laughs> now, so I finished Pride and Prejudice, and then my summer book is Lonesome Dove yeah uh, and it is it is really interesting. I don't even know I'm like twelve hours into this thing and he is he's it's way slower moving than even like a Steinbeck. Mm. Um, like it's so detailed and just like the monotony of the characters. but you do I will give it to him like you do kind of get like brought into to this. And um, that's that's been interesting. Of just like part of the some of like the harshness that's in their circumstances, it still allows for like just human connections to uh, to come out. I don't know. Like just the juxtaposition between the the two is is very interesting. To the point of what we're what we're talking about so i can share more on that i don't know that it fit exactly with the conversation but it's just interesting of of the two
1: yeah i mean could not be a more broad difference culturally right um because i read lonesome dove like man i i think i tried to get after it in like sixth grade or something like that and made it maybe halfway through and uh was so bored i think my yeah i i gave up on it um, but it's it takes place in like kind of Western before the states are totally um, like organized and, you know, civilized. It's like the Wild West, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's it's like it's kind of like washed up old, not washed up old Texas Rangers. Yeah. OK. Who are like maybe not purpose searching, but yeah, are kind of in like this, this, the sunset of life, if yeah, you if right. you will. And they just get up They're down in in Texas and they just get up a cattle drive and yeah. like are going to to Montana. Um, but it is it's a sweeping novel. My favorite part so far in it has been um, I think I told this to Bisk, but there is a one of the young cowboys dies pretty early on the drive from a snake bite. And Gus, who's like kind of the the philosopher of of the group, he he just kind of goes right like right at it and he he makes him he makes him continue the -hmm. the drive Mm -hmm. and i need to memorize the line but he says something to the effect of like sometimes life is so hard all you can do is just kick your horse Hmm. meaning like you can only go forward yeah right which yeah it's so different than jane austen but it's fun (laughs) it's like it's so fun to there, there's principles that are actually consistent in, in both, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. You know, but it, it, there's also a juxtaposition to it in both of those. You know, Bisque, you, you pointed out, it maybe in both of these, that like coming home, um, almost nostalgic type feel that there's a, a type of kind of like rest in it, um, that things come to a, a completion and there's, a type of like solidity. There's a type of, um, I don't know. You just feel grounded in those books because you know exactly what the rules are. You know, exactly how everybody plays, you know, exactly where everybody ranks with each other, all this different stuff. But then in both Huck Finn and in Lonesome Dove, it's much more this like adventurous, it's not going home. It's kind of going out and like, to have both of those sides of the human dynamic where we do want to come home, but you better believe we want to, we want to explore, like we want to do the adventure thing. We want to go out West. We want to see what our limits are kind of a thing. So even that component to it, to have both of those things at play. Um, I mean, that's, that's the Mark Twain story is like, go out and have an adventure. Um, yeah. See what your limits are you know, the, the, the limit case examples and let's push it. Like, let's, let's go settle in a new place. Let's keep moving. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like that. That's cool. The back-to-back reading of those books. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> we were talking the other night about <clears throat> why if home is the destination, that's where we're all longing to just be home. Then why do we leave home? Why the need for adventure? And I brought up which neither of us have ever read, but the Joseph Campbell Hero's Journey <laughs> book. I can't remember what it's called, but everybody always refers to it in podcasts. I've never read it either. Should we talk about it? Yeah, for let's sure. Di- let's dive in. Have you heard about people talk? Have you heard people talk about it? What's Journey. it called? Hero's Journey. No, that's just what the thing is called that he talks about in it. But oh, the myth of something. Wow some people are cringing. <laughs> um, but and I don't even know if this is what he talks about but the, like the idea when you watch a movie, I mean I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 with my nephew and my brother a few weeks ago and I'm like this is a Christ narrative. This is this is the whole adventure of of existence. It's always the same. Okay, know? good. Is it good? Is it worth a watch? Really good, I thought. Cool. I cried a couple times. Nice. Um, Sick. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just like why there has for there to be an adventure for there to be an actual story there must be this tension of like leaving home having some having some trauma upset your order so and then you have to respond in a heroic way even though you are limited and you it will cost you your life ultimately but then some new life will bubble up you know Mm -hmm. a new a new way of being and existing which is more full and now you can rest because all has been accomplished and um yeah yeah well so what was the
1: conclusion to the answer if we're made for home and that's what we really desire why the need for
2: adventure i don't know yeah that's why we're talking about it now man no but <laughs> we, we thought you this came up
0: with uh actually we were talking about river runs through it because that that very much is like a cain and abel prodigal son story these two sons uh oh no did it disconnect or are we still coming through the thing yeah 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 i okay, think we're great. good Um, yeah, so that, that's, and that's just a straight up true story from Norman McLean's life. It's the story of his brother and his father. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. Those are just, he wrote three stories. He was a University of Chicago literature professor. never really wrote any short stories. Wow. And then, uh, I think he, he taught poetry and his grandchildren, as he used to tell these stories from turn of the century, Montana, where he grew up and his children grandchildren were like you need to write those stories down and in his old age he wrote the story of the summer he was a lookout for the forest service um the summer he did logging and, which is hilarious the guy he it, w- it was old crosscut saws that they would oh yeah go log the mountains with and so you had a partner and his partner was this guy Jim who was outrageous um <laughs> and you know he was a presbyterian minister's son so like being in this culture it was very it's very Actually, I, I identified with it a lot coming like from the from the suburbs of Chicago, going out to fight fires for a couple seasons, just like the rough and tumble, yeah, culture and how shocking and but also attractive and a <clears throat> um, helpful in my maturation that was. Uh, but then the river runs through it is the story of his family and his brother's uh, struggles with alcohol and gambling and stuff. But yeah, the. Um, The need to leave home, even Norman, who's the, you know, the elder brother in the prodigal son story, he, he needs to prove himself. You know, he needs to leave, uh, Montana and his, his mother's side and his father's watchful eye to go prove himself in the world and do something. Um, and we're talking about at the end, like there's a sadness in him that was not in Paul, his younger brother who died an untimely death, but in a way um avoided certain kinds of suffering that Norman now has to deal with in his old age It's like he's the only one left with any of these stories but he's standing in the river the river of time and the river of life experiencing this like abundance that keeps flowing and yet is always passing away. Um, mm-hmm. that's kind of how, how I read that and he's he's in the solitude of that being um, but feels that connection that's why he's haunted by water so he's like stands in this river and he feels, their story and his part in their story and it's very beautiful but it's very sad I mean the <laughs> end of the movie
2: I find very sad um, oh I don't know if I would call it sad there's like a hmm interesting yeah you're well, talking Rob about fell that sleep so. I was yeah I slept through most of it but it's a great <laughs> movie <laughs> it's so good dude Rob you are such an old soul thank you thank yeah. you. Thank like
1: you that is hilarious you fell asleep during a river runs through it yeah i did that's that's awesome dude that makes me want to put on some golf and just take a nap (laughs) and just like watch some golf dang yeah i mean i you know what what's that what's that story into the wild where the guy goes off into alaska and dies up there like a mile Mm -hmm. from civilization and His big realization once he gets out there is that he he wants to go home that life Mm -hmm. is about relationship and i think like to so i wonder if if we have the potential to delight and receive the goodness of home without having gone through an adventure yeah and so there's a type of necessity not just in growth of an individual but even the perception of life that you have to kind of play out in order to actually rest in home like fully or, or in order to make a home fully that if you don't go through some of those things and allow parts of you to die so that new life can be regenerated if you do get home and you're and you're like this isn't that great you're like no this is everything you're made for you're just not ready to receive it yet
0: that's how I read the prodigal son story. Both mm-hmm. of the sons have that struggle. like They are objectively home, which we are too. We are always in God. We, in him we live and move and have our being. We are home, but we can't live there for some reason. There's, there's this thing that keeps us from remaining home, and it's in going out into the desert to mix the Bible stories, but you have to like leave this place of, of comfort and security because this is not actually your home. You're in some slavery. You have to leave and have these ties, to, these ties severed, and yeah, to be attached to the one who is home completely. Um, but there, there—that's the cross and resurrection thing. Like we're, the way to life is death. The way to the promised land is the desert. Um, I think that's what we're seeing in those good stories. Is why, and this is the great divorce thing we're talking about too. That Lewis points out, like if the story ends in glory, even if the story was suffering and um and all this evil that occurred it's part of a good story you know it's all telling a story that is a good one because it ends with this new life uh and this union at the end but if it ends and you are severed from life you're you've really actually chosen the isolation of hell um even if you appeared to have lived a good life and had right. everything uh, that you needed, it was actually a bad story.
1: Yeah. It's a tragedy.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think it's the both and where, and uh, you see this play out in philosophical ideas, but um, somebody who's completely destination oriented is it's true. Like you just said, like that's what it's all about ultimately. But then somebody who's like, oh, it's all about the journey, man. Like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's it's the the journey of life. That's what it's all about. It's also super true. That's also 100% true. Like if you don't, if you don't journey well, the destination is not going to be the same, but the destination is what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And, and so even that whole, that tension that's there, I think is, is kind of like a both hand, um, that it is all about the journey, but it it is also all about the destination.
2: Yeah. Or just even if, if there's just, if maybe there's not an answer to it, but just there are guiding principles of like, you know, the, I mean, just simply we've talked a fair amount to the last few days of just the primacy of relationship, like in your whole life. Cause even in, when we were talking about the hero's journey and like, you know, take take Huck Finn, which is like certainly that kind of like setting out into adventure and all of that. But I was thinking, it was like man, like it's a wonderful life and the George Bailey story, like that's a hero's journey too, yep. in in a completely different narrative and and path. But it's all about him finding home and like realizing where where home home is. Yeah, and so. But the the consistency between the two is the primacy of relationship that is that's there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that like like the prodigal son, those two guys are home, but they are not. There's something in them that is incomplete, where they cannot rest in the relationship. The older the uh, the younger son thinks, the reason I'm restless is because I need to go out and uh, take these gifts and put them at the service of this world and see who see what I can become see what I can get out of life the elder son is stuck at home and feels he's a slave to his father and has to keep earning his keep and maybe one day he'll get what he's looking for with a goat and whatnot but the father's saying what the father says to them is so or he says to the older brother but it, it applies to both to me is so mysterious like I don't I don't really know what it means but you you are always with me everything i have is yours yeah that that's like the answer to all of it somehow but i don't know how to receive that and which is the cause of my suffering (laughs) I, i think um but someday we'll hear that and that's home we'll be able to rest in that you are always with me everything i have is yours and Jesus says it all the time, like in the Last Supper discourse when He's promising the Holy Spirit, He'll take everything I have and declare it to you. Ask for whatever you want in My name, and it will be granted to you. Like, there's nothing that doesn't already belong to you. So, why do we go out and try to earn it? Why do we go out and fight? And um, it's clearly not to win some battle in the in the world so that we can have the peace like externally, like. Any anything we believe that like I'm not in the right place or the people aren't doing what I want them to do or if we just had this or that some future state of bliss then I would be happy but it's kind of <laughs> like the Adam Sandler thing in, in uh, Saturday Night Live where he's the, that travel agent and he's like we can take you to Tuscany but if you are unhappy in Massachusetts you will be unhappy in Tuscany yeah, right? you <laughs> will still be the same you no matter where you go <laughs> i don't think i've heard that before it's it's really funny but that's really funny it hits on something so universally true
1: that is yeah
0: um it's not your circumstances it's some interior thing uh that's being worked out that that's home that's how we go how we come home augustine said in his thing uh you were without you were within and i was without how late have I loved you? Like he would. It was the invitation in to the to his home, so to speak, his heart, where God was there with him, ordering his passions, ordering his life.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's very the universal thing is is real as well then even i was thinking of like how would uh how would someone like a peterson try and answer that question too of like whether it's how you find the hero's journey or whatever we're talking about and um it's just this is a very broad simple point but like even it yeah there's many fascinating things about him and his work but like just the how popular his first book is the 12 rules, like, which are not answers. They're rules for, for Mm -hmm. an antidote to chaos. Um, and like one of my favorites of those is like, what is it like you seek, you should seek what is meaningful and not what is expedient. Mm -hmm. And, um, so again, it's just like, it's just this principle based, like maybe even observation more than guide, you know, in, in that. Um, but it's engaging, I think the same type question at least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know he makes an an interesting point and he kind of, he uses politicians as the subject to illuminate the point, but he'll talk about people that get into um, helping others, serving others in the political sphere from like positive motive. And they quickly realize that like a lot of the game is corrupt and so they'll, they'll play along with the types of corruption with the goal to be in a place that's powerful enough to affect change for every, every other echelon that they had been through. But he was like, the, the thing is, each time that you do that, you, you change. And so right. then you get up to a place of power or influence and you are a different person because the things that we do, like the principles that we live by, actually shape the, the type of person that we become. Which is w- why I think he's so keen on those principles. That, which which is interesting, because it goes back to that destination or journey thing. And if you if you sacrifice one for the other, um, then you're you're going to get to the destination and be the a different type of person than when you set out. And, and because we're incarnational, um, like we, the things that we do, do shape the type of person that we become. Um, but that's also true on the flip side, that if you do live a life based off of the good and aimed at the good, then when you get to, when you get to home, you'll be prepared, um, with a type of heart and a type of virtue and a type of person that, that actually is good. Um, yeah. And I, I always appreciated that point because the little ways that we compromise, um, maybe that's not the right way to to say it, but the ways that we live in untruth for some greater good that we're aimed at, um, actually can, can kind of mar us and change us.
0: It's very much like what you've been talking about with leadership, um, and this guy that asks you, like, where do you want to be in five or ten years? And at first interpreting that to be like, where, yeah, what kind of job do I want to do? Or what kind of influence do I want to have? Versus what kind of character hmm. you know, you have potential to grow? And part of that will be not just in a vacuum, like becoming a more virtuous or holy person, but in the dynamic of the life that we are living. In a, in a pri- context. Yeah, yeah. A priest, which it is a job or is a career. At least that's an aspect of of what we do. Um, It's much more than that. Obviously it's this vocation this calling this relationship to God and to the church, but you do step through, you know, like, and okay, now you can be a pastor. Now you can be this or whatever Um, because you have these technical competencies and, and whatnot. Um, So taking those things serious, not trying to be like so unsullied by the corrupt nature of institutions, even the church to be like, Oh, I, I just do whatever the bishop tells me to do, or what, you know, that kind of thing, like, yeah. um, as if that's an option, you know, yeah. um, right. That I'll just be this angelic, un, unsullied person, or I'll be this careerist, kind of, um, crass, cynical clergyman, bachelor who's, yeah, just kind of working his way up the ladder or something yeah. like that, that you can be, um, you can be truly human, like body and spirit, career and vocation, uh, by this, char- this character idea. But even that we talked about is relational. Who you become is related is related to the people that you work with and are influenced by and who you influence and, and all that stuff. But keeping your eye on, on the prize, I think that's what why principles are so, so helpful. and guys who are, are into that kind of leadership thing, work, organizational health, culture, things like that. Like, what are the behaviors that are just non-negotiable? What are the things that we just always mm-hmm. do? Um, yeah. They- I like Peterson's always tell the truth or at least don't lie. I think that uh-huh. that kind of candor just means like you will never, you will never um, say or do something you you really don't believe, or at least if, if you have to get on board with the organization going a certain direction, you will at least not lie, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's that Joe Pug song that I played for you the, the other day, uh, after curfew, I think it's on his, a couple albums ago, but it's just about, there's this line about your father, the finest man I ever knew spoke a truth that was clean as an island. They gave him every chance to repeat the party line and he shattered their windows by his silence. Mm-hmm. So they took him out back in the rain and made an example. You are not fragile. Like, I don't know. He just paints this picture of this guy who's I don't know what he does for a living or what, you know, what's the party line or what, you know, but that that kind of man I want to be where if it gets to the point where I have to say something or agree with something that I think is fundamentally wrong, I'd rather be taken out back and made an example. And that's that shatters your windows. That's like that's a loud life, even though you all you did is just didn't say something. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I mean, that's the Franz Jaeger stutter. That's yeah. That's the Colby. Like, how do you get to that's that Maximilian point where Colby. that's who yeah. i want
0: to be holiness is where i want to arrive at yeah but like that happened through choices
2: and yeah yeah and yeah the- but i think uh, yeah the I, what i what has deepened in me a lot in the last like, kind of articulating some of that stuff in the last couple months whether you call it a form of leadership or character or holiness is like yeah ultimately that's not that's not totally an individual internal thing because Mm -hmm. it impacts others. Like it's Mm -hmm. not about you. Yeah. Then So like you have your framework for the question of growth and like desire for growth is off. If it's just about you, that's a, that's a, that's an immature way to think about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or even like, wow, that's so cool. I wish I were Maximilian Colby because everybody would know how great I am. Mm -hmm.
1: I know. I know, dude, I do that. (laughs) <laughs> i do that it's so bad man yeah that's it's like playing the game of like the, the last shall be first and so you run to the last so that you can be the first mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. it's the same desire right it's, it's to be first that's what i want you know um yeah man i well a lot of the y- young people the youths that i uh that i work with and you know many of them are like very unchurched um but have signed up with this organization to be a part of a team, be a part of something bigger than themselves, at least to escape something that, um, you know, harsh family background or for whatever reason. And many of them will pursue and move through life, um, with like a kind of consequentialist strategy. And it's very hard to, to get them to think, in any other way. Um, and so a lot of their decisions is just based off of the immediate consequence. And even the way that the army responds to them, <clears throat> tries to negate bad behavior and promote good behavior. It's all like kind of carrot stick type stuff. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and I, I just don't think like what we're talking about is a different way to go through life, a different way to, to journey. And, and, I have had a hard time. Um, I think when I talk to people one-on-one that's able to, to be communicated, mm-hmm. but in like kind of a larger scale, <clears throat> I have found that to be a real challenge in, in ministry here. Cause it's, it's so incentive, like consequential based. Um, so here's an example, don't drink and drive cause you'll get kicked out of the army and you'll lose all your money and you'll lose your family and you won't have a job like well how about you don't drink and drive because like you might kill somebody or or it's not a good thing to do so don't do it because it's not good
0: um, but even then you're arguing with them through
2: consequences like it's not a, you know but no you, you kill somebody like it consequences but that's still i i see what you mean though like that's a different playing field yeah in yeah But it's hard i'm saying like you can lead a horse to work but it
0: it, at some point um and this gets to the i want to be maximilian colby because people will know my name that's a you know that's at the end of the day what's going on there when we have those feelings is i need to feel special and loved and important and for my life to matter and to be beautiful and meaningful and what i'm thinking will make that happen is if everybody knows my name or if they make holy cards of me or if people are telling this story in homilies of my life. And that really won't actually, that's not actually what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a relationship with God that that's home, you know, the place where everything belongs to me. You are always with me that, that destination, which is the relationship, which also gives me my character, my identity. Um, there's, but you know what I mean? Like there, you trying to get a person to come to that conclusion? It's the same thing. Why you can't argue yourself into being free of that consequentialist or um, yeah. selfish incentive based? Like, why be a good person because it'll make you feel good um, somehow? But to the, like be the truly human image of God, where it, like everything you're just an unself-conscious gift to God, and you receive His gift of Himself to you, and you enter into that. Perfect dynamic of love, um, that's holiness. But it's uh, <laughs> you get there is a total mystery. You have to just receive it and, and like step into that river with Jesus.
2: Well, it's like the um, this could be tangential, but it just it's coming up. But there, and I man, I heard this story a long time ago, and there's no citation on it. it was just. Yeah, a story. So classic three dogs north in that way. But um, apparently when John Paul II became pope, he had been pope like two or three years at this point, and he was getting to know the Swiss guards and it was like late in an evening and there was a Swiss guard with him and he said something. It was like a personal conversation and John Paul II like floated off just organically that like he he wasn't writing poetry anymore and the the young guard that was with him asked him why and he said like he said I just lack context and it was I've always kind of like thought that was a, a strange but like really deep answer I still don't really know why why I think I it came up here again I don't know that it fits exactly was that like that type of the type of growth or playing field or whatever we call it that we're talking about, like it only happens in like a concrete context of Mm -hmm. someone's circumstances and and life. And what's hard about it is like, yeah, you do realize is how easy it is to slip into like, because it's reality. Like so often like the deck is stacked for you to just have to treat things as like means to an end sure. or, um, but there is like, I don't know. There is a path forward in it and, end thought, I don't know if that fits.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, there's, there was a line from, from Kreeft as well when it was actually a talk that he gave about the book till we have faces and he's kind of explaining a little bit at the end of that. Uh, and he relates it back to the book of Job, which the line just came up in our first reading for the office of readings. And Job is, you know, he, he goes through that process where he suffers. His friends come, they sit with them, they tell him to repent. Uh, and he says, no, no, I'm actually righteous. Like, um, and and then he gives this rebuttal and, and kind of like calls out to God of all these things. And, and God has this great line, like gird your loins and be a man. Cause like, I'm going to ask you questions now. And he kind of goes into all these like deep, deep, profound questions. Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? And do you know the stores of hail that I have in heaven? And all these like really cool, cool things. Uh, and at the very end, Job says to him, um, Lord, like I, I won't speak again. You've answered all my questions because now I've seen you and that that's he hasn't answered all of his he didn't answer any of his questions like all the the accusations that he lays against God he doesn't say any of that but it's now I've seen you which is the answer to my questions which is I think that's that's the, the actual right dynamic to to be convinced of the truth of, of what we're talking about. Cause like you can't argue your way into it. And th- that's a part of the, the frustrating thing with, I think like um, unfruitful apologetics or unfruitful conversations is it's like a, a desire to convince the other into a certain position. And it's like, that's still a type of consequential thinking that the, you're playing by consequential rules, but uh, it's so powerful why, why, we need real saints. It's because that's a glimpse of like seeing, seeing the real thing, hmm. which gives a type of an answer that you can't argue into.
0: Yeah,
1: and but I love that line, like, you've answered all my questions because I've seen you. That that's not an exact quote. I'm I'm bad at quoting scripture, but something like powerful
0: that. though, man. Mm-hmm.
1: Which makes also makes sense of like why we have adoration
0: i love that mm.
2: yeah makes me want to read till we have faces Same. Again I was just as thinking well
0: that. it kind of makes yeah. sense at the end of that book
1: yeah yeah because she has all this list yeah of I mean, her she complaints
2: put, against god she puts him on trial she puts him on trial yeah and it unmasks her not him
1: dude also the journey and destination thing there yeah mm-hmm. she has to go through that whole process Mm-hmm. To be unveiled, to actually see God. I may have to read that book again.
0: Dude, we're we're dropping dimes today, man.
2: We gotta read that book.
0: Well, Mike, you're a loser for not being in person with us. <laughs> I'm
1: glad I'm with you in spirit though. Yeah. You probably like that, don't you? <laughs> Dude, with you in spirit? Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> oh. you uh <laughs> y'all gotta come down here man I know I, yeah. I, I hey We've I am gonna have ai am gonna have a little bit of free time um, right. I'm gonna take leave in a, in a little bit maybe why don't we do our like personal s- calendar scheduling off air <laughs> <laughs> let me pull out my schedule here yeah well let's pencil you in here okay um, yeah hey good chat guys I'm glad Thank y'all get dad. to spend time together. I'm jealous. All right, later skater. Peace dudes. Follow
2: 3 Dogs North on Instagram. 3 Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz.
1: Good girl.